to be honest with you, I, I really don't even know how long this may last. Uh, but it's called Give Me a Break. And uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy uh, this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where we're going to uh, begin this morning. And for those of you that have kind of been pretty regular with us through the summer, uh, you, you've been able to tell by our uh, uh, attendance uh, that we've had that uh, many people in our church are blessed to be able to take vacations. And that's a good thing. Amen? And uh, so for those of you that have got to take them, you think it's a good thing. But uh, it's a good thing. We all need a break occasionally. And so we're going to, over these next few weeks, we're going to kind of take that idea uh, of taking a break, of being able to rest, of being able to relax, to be renewed, restored, rejuvenated. Uh, and we're going to visit uh, some of the Ten Commandments uh, that we find in Scripture. Because sometimes, uh, you know, we, we can't take a vacation every time that we need a break. We can't take a vacation every time we need some rest or we need to be renewed or restored. And so sometimes we have to find ways to do that at home, right? Some people call it uh, a staycation. And so, but uh, over the next few weeks, you know, we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments. And here's the deal. We don't always think of the Ten Commandments uh, as something uh, for rest and for renewal in our lives. But I believe what we're going to see and hopefully what we're going to learn over these next few weeks is that is exactly what they are. That is exactly why God gave them uh, to us. Their, their guidelines, their principles that enable us uh, to live a, a life within the boundaries and the guidelines of God, a, a good life that he's called us to. Uh, God wants you to experience the best in your lives, okay? And so we have these principles and we have these guidelines uh, to be able to do that. And as we follow them, as we follow his guidelines, as we follow his commands, we will find ourselves refreshed. We will find ourselves being able to rest. We'll find ourselves uh, renewed and, and reju rejuvenated. <laughs> uh, you think I had trouble with that word now? You should have heard me in the first service trying to say rejuvenated after only one cup of coffee. But we've had several since then, and so maybe we can get through it. But many of us find in our lives, not just physically, but we find ourselves spiritually uh, needing a place of rest needing a place to kind of renew and, and get re-energized. And, 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 you know, from this theme of kind of vacations and taking a break and things like that, as I was thinking about it and thinking about our family, there are basically two types of vacationers. And I'm going to suspect that all of you fall under one of these uh, types of vacationers. The, the first type of vacationer is, is what I, I would call uh, chill seekers, right? They're, they're all about uh, resting. They're all about relaxing. Uh, and then there's the other group of vacationers, and they are what uh, we might call the thrill seekers, right? And so I figure that each and every one of you fall under one of those categories when it comes to vacation. You're either a, a chill seeker or you're a, a thrill seeker. Now, chill seekers, those are the people that like to go on vacation and they pack uh, a lot of books in their bags, right? And because all they want to do is just kind of sit around, read books, uh, 
lot of chill seekers you will find uh, like to do that with their toes in the sand, right? I believe there's a song about that. But uh, anyway, you know, you, you like to go to the beach or maybe you like to go to a remote cabin somewhere up in the mountains, somewhere that's secluded in a way. There's no TV, no internet, you know, none of, uh, of that kind of stuff. And, and how many of you would say, you know, I, 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 I think I'm probably a chill seeker when it comes to vacation. Some of you in here? Some of you chiller outers and you all have great tans and that's awesome. I, I, I think I'm probably more of a chiller than a, than a thriller. But on the other end of that spectrum, on, way on the other end of that spectrum, you have these vacationers that are thrill seekers, right? And when they go on vacation, what makes a vacation a vacation to them is all the stuff that they can pack into the time, right? I mean, that's what makes it vacation for them. They're on vacation, but they set their alarm. They're, you know, the, the chill seekers are the ones that will sleep in. The thrill seekers are the ones that set an alarm and get up at 6 o'clock in the morning because there's stuff to do, right? There's miles and miles and miles to drive. There's all these things to see and participate paid in. We, we a few weeks ago uh, went to Chicago for a few days and uh, I don't know how many of you have been to Chicago or know much about Chicago but they have 46,223 museums right and so we get up each and every day and Lynette is like we're going to this museum and this museum and this museum and this museum you know and, and, and so we've got all this stuff to do and, and the thrill seeker people on vacation they have no time for sitting and relaxing right it's just forbidden. And here's the deal. If you're a chill seeker, here's what I know about you. You are probably dating or married to or have a family member that is a thrill seeker, right? So welcome to family vacation where part of the family wants to sleep in. The other part of the family is bouncing off the sinking walls because they can't sit in a hotel room, right? And so, uh, you know, in my family... I would say I'm probably a little more the, uh, of a chill seeker. Uh, I just want to rest. I just want to relax. Uh, Lynette is the thrill seeker in our family. She never rests. She never relaxes. Uh, she wears me out. Uh, she doesn't even know how to relax. But, you know, I, I'm perfectly happy just staying at home. You know, I, I, could just, I could sit at home and lay on the couch all day long. She'd lose her mind. You know, she had a little accident uh, last <coughs> Sunday and, she had, to, she had to stay at home one day, I think. She, stayed, she did what the doctor said for one day. And, uh, but anyway, she almost lost her mind. But I'm, I'm good with that, you know. I, I'm good with staying at home and resting, relaxing. You know, you don't have to drive anywhere to do it. You don't have to go to an airport, which is of the devil. Uh, you can just hang out at home, relax, and take a break. But... I hope you've been able to do that at some point in time this summer to take a little break or vacation. If not, I hope you, you get to uh, in the days ahead because it's important that we find rest and, and do those things. But God's principles in the Bible, uh, and here's what we're going to be talking about, they, they, they can refresh us as well. They can renew us uh, spiritually. 
and, and no vacation necessary, you know, no, no money has to be spent. And so that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks as we look at some of the Ten Commandments. I started out thinking, you know, I'm going to take four of these because we do four-week series typically, but, you know, who knows? We may be here at Christmas. I don't know. We'll just see how it goes. But, but here's the deal. Most of us don't think of the Ten Commandments as refreshing kinds of things, Right? I mean, we just don't look at them like that way, that, like that. You know, most of us think that rules uh, are not something that are refreshing. You know, we, we, we think of rules and, and we think that rules are something that takes away our freedom, right? Rules are, are, are something that might keep us from having what we might think is fun. Some people might think that rules do nothing but, you know, just, just get in the way. But when you look at the, the Bible, you get this different perspective. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like, as I was thinking about this, it's kind of like the, the green turtle sandbox that used to be in our backyard when the boys were little, right? When, when our boys were little, how many of you had one of those or have a green turtle? Whoever thought to take a green turtle and put sand in it. That guy probably has made billions of dollars off putting sand in a turtle. But anyway, why didn't I think of that? You know, it's what it kind of, but you know, in that sandbox, I, I remember they spent hours and hours and hours out there in the sandbox and, and you know, they could do whatever they wanted to do uh, in the sandbox, right? I mean, they could, they could play in the sand. They could take the sand and they could dump it on their heads. You know, they could you know, take their diaper off and do whatever they wanted to do in the sand, in the sandbox. You know, they could even eat the sand. Uh, uh, with the diaper off, you didn't eat wet sand. But anyway, you know, they could do whatever they wanted to do in the sandbox. But the rule was at the house, leave the sand in the sandbox, right? Leave the sand in the turtle. Don't dump the sand out of the sandbox. Don't bring the sand in the house, right? It was, there was just some guidelines that went with the turtle sandbox in the, in the backyard. You know, you can have all the fun that you want to have as long as you do it in the sandbox. But once you start dumping the sand out of the sandbox or carrying the sand in the house, that's when I'm going to get involved, right? Because we don't need the mess. We don't, we don't need all that. So have fun, but have fun within these boundaries. That's the Ten Commandments. Okay, that, that's the Ten Commandments. The Ten Thou Shalt Nots, okay, they're, they're not trying to limit our freedoms. In, in, instead, they're just trying to tell us where the boundaries are. They're trying to set the boundaries for us. And when you stay within the boundaries, God is saying, live it up, right? Live your life to the fullest. Laugh. Enjoy it. Serve me. Have some fun. Play in the sandbox. But don't go outside of these boundaries. Because if you go outside of these boundaries, it's going to get messy. Right? It's, it's going to present opportunities for you to get hurt or, or something to go terribly wrong. Because the Ten Commandments are, are kind of, you can kind of look at the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments uh, kind of like gravity, right? You can say that you don't believe in gravity, but jump off this roof and what's going to happen? 
You're going to end up in one of them nice little boots like Lynette's got on over there this morning, right? You're going to get hurt. You know, you can say that you don't believe in gravity, but there's still gravity. And you can look at the Ten Commandments and you can go, you know, whatever. You know, don't lie, don't steal. And say, you know, that really doesn't uh, apply for me. And you can break those rules. You can violate those rules. And you can do that over and over and over again. But eventually, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get hurt, right? The, the splat is going to come, right? And, and so, or what we can do is we can learn the joy Within the boundaries, we can learn, you know, the joy of pleasing God while operating in, in the sandbox and having uh, lots and lots of fun uh, while we do it. And I'm going to just tell you, it's fun in the sandbox, all right? For, for those of you that may not be Christians and you've never considered being a Christian because the only Christians that you ever met were mean, hateful, and never happy, uh, that's not, they're, they're not in our sandbox, <laughs> all right? Because our sandbox is fun. We're, we're going to have a party. Wherever we are, we're going to have a party. And, and so, you know, God wants us to enjoy life, to have life and have it more abundantly. And, and so he gives us this. And so, you know, finding out that, that the rules, people look at the Bible and say, well, that's a lot of, you know, don't do this and you can't do this and all that. Finding out that those rules aren't so much taking away our freedom as what they're doing is they're allowing us to enjoy our freedom. That's what they're all about, is, is giving us freedom and allowing us to enjoy that. So we're going to have a little fun with this over the next few weeks as we go uh, through these Ten Commandments, and we're just going to kind of kick back and relax and get refreshed and, and, and renewed. And we're going to kick it off today in, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, Deuteronomy I know a lot of you have probably sat around and, and, and saw that book in the Bible and thought, what does Deuteronomy, I can't even say it, let alone spell it, uh, but what, you know, what does Deuteronomy mean? It's a crazy name, it's a weird name, well it actually means this, it means second law, okay, second law. It's the fifth book of the Bible, the fifth book of the Bible uh, in the Old Testament. The first five books of the Bible are known as the Pentateuch, okay, everybody say Pentateuch. All right, you just learned a new word, all right? The first five books of the Bible are the Pentateuch, which means the law, okay? So it's the law, and Deuteronomy is the second law because it's kind of a retelling of the law of Moses, okay? So that's what Deuteronomy uh, means. So chapter 5, we're going to begin at verse 6. This is what God says, the beginning of the Ten Commandments, and, and this is absolutely uh, probably my favorite part of this entire thing. He says this, God says, I am the Lord, your God. Okay, don't miss this. Who did what? Wow. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. All right, he's talking to the Israelites here specifically. This is who I am. I am the Lord, your God. And what did I do for you? I rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Don't miss this. It's the business he's in. <laughs> right? God is still rescuing people from the place of their slavery. 
And he's been doing it for thousands of years, and he's still doing it today. He rescues people from their captivity. He rescues people from their bondage. He rescues people from their slavery, from their addictions. And God says this, you must not have any other God but me. No other God but me. Just me. Now, in the ancient world and back at this time, the Ten Commandments were kind of written in a way that would have been familiar to them back then. It was written and kind of formulated uh, the way that a covenant would be written or a contract uh, might be written up. And, and so what they would do is anytime they, they would form a covenant or a contract between one another, they would start out uh, the covenant. The, they would often begin by the person who had the most authority in the situation or the most invested in the situation would be the one who would begin this contract. And it would start out by stating basically who they are, right? Uh, kind of like, you know, I'm Steve. I am the owner of the house, right? And then they would go on with the contract or the covenant or it would, might start like this. I am the king of the land, right? And then they would move forward from there. there. It's very common in how they did their, their covenants and their contracts back at this time. And what's interesting here is this. God begins this Ten Commandments. He begins this covenant. He begins this contract with us, and he defines here who he is, but he does it in a little different way. He does it. He defines who he is in a relational sense to us, in a relational sense to his people. Because think about it. God could have come out and said right here, I am the Lord God greatest of all, right? I am the Lord God, I am the head guy, I'm the king, I'm the president, I'm the CEO, I'm the ruler of the entire universe, and you're just a little bitty speck in this galaxy, right? And I am the man. I mean, he could have said all that, right? Because that's all true. That's all the truth. He could have said that, but what does he do? Instead, he begins this covenant. He begins this contract by saying this. I'm the Lord, your God. I'm the Lord, your God. I rescued you, right? I rescued you. And then after this, he reminds them of the rescue. After he reminds them of the rescue, he says, you should have no other gods before me. And this is huge, and we can't miss this. Grace always comes before law. Grace always comes before commands. Grace always comes before the rules. We see it all throughout the Bible, and we see it right here. Before the law is given to the Israelites, what happens? Before God gives them the commands, what does he do? He rescues them. He calls them out of slavery. He rescues them. He redeems them. Listen, they're already blessed, they're already loved, they're already called out of nothing to be the children of God. You don't earn God's approval. You don't earn God's love, right? You don't earn His grace in your life by doing a lot of good things and by keeping a bunch of rules. Don't miss this. They already had His love before there were any rules, right? 
They already had his love. We already have his love. God says, I'm already your God. You are already rescued. And then he comes along after that, after the grace. And he says, but if you want to continue in that, if you want to continue to live in that grace, if you want to continue to live in that blessing, if you want to experience more of that blessing, then comes the law. Then comes the parameters to work within, right? Do, do you see that? Grace always comes before the law. And that's important for our lives as well because when Jesus came and lived and taught, we learned that the law is important. We learned how important the law is. But the law is ultimately powerless in bringing salvation into our lives. It's not the law that brings salvation into our lives. Jesus fulfilled that through what he did on the cross of Calvary and in the empty tomb. And it's all because of grace. And not the law and not the rules. And so we're going to look at the Ten Commandments over these next few weeks, at least some of them. But we've got to get this right. We don't ever want to get this backwards. Grace comes before the law. The Ten Commandments are, are not about doing all of these things and checking a list so that God might love us, right? That's not what it's about. The Ten Commandments are about that you're already loved, right? You're already loved. You're already rescued. You're already redeemed through Jesus Christ if you've placed your faith and your trust uh, in Him. And, and so in response to that, in response to that, we get to play in the sandbox. <laughs> we get to enjoy his goodness within the parameters and the boundaries that he has defined. And we will find ourselves rested. We will find ourselves renewed. We'll find ourselves rejuvenated from the inside out as long as we stay within the boundaries that he has defined. And so what we see here uh, in this first commandment is simply this, this morning, and it's to remember your rescuer. Remember your rescuer. And here's the deal this morning, if we're all honest, and some of you don't like to be honest that I have found, but if we're all honest, we all have a little rebellious streak in us, right? I mean, we all have a, a, a little rebel in us. I know I, I do sometimes. I, I, I'm the kind of person that, I will do something just because you said I can't, you know? Now, I, that's probably wrong, and y'all judge me. I don't care. Judge me. Tell me I can't do something, and I'll show you, you know? We, we all had that. We were talking about something yesterday with the boys. I said, so the boys were saying, I don't think that, that y'all should do this. I said, why do you think we shouldn't do this? And they said, well, I just don't think you can do it. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Right? But sometimes we see the rules, and we don't like the rules, right? 
And, and, but, but sometimes we're kind of forced and we just kind of have to follow the rules. But some of you probably like me, we're following the rules externally, but internally, I'm rebelling, right? Internally, I'm just a little bit ticked off, right? And, and so, you know, we, we kind of get kind of bitter about it. And we complain about it because, you know, we don't like it. But, but the Bible says, as you read on into the New Testament, that the law, right, the Ten Commandments, the law of God, it's important. It's powerful. It's a guide for our lives, but rules themselves will not save us. And, and the problem is, is not the rules. The problem is us because we are a little rebellious, and we don't always keep the rules perfectly. We don't always follow all the rules. Sometimes we even surprise ourselves with the things we do, right? I mean, sometimes you ever do or say something and you're like, where did that come from? You know, how, how did I even do that? You know, and so what do we need? A rescuer, right? We need a, a Savior, and Jesus came, and he lived a perfect life, and he died, and he, he rose again so that we could be rescued from ourselves, so that we could be saved from our own sin and from our own failures and our own rebellion. He fulfilled the law, but that doesn't mean that the law is bad. Those principles are still good uh, and are still valid for uh, us to, to guide us into the lives that reflects God and the character of God. The law reflects his character, okay? Now, here's the deal. At, at least when I think about my own life, here's kind of how I think about it. I, okay, we've established I don't do well with rules, right? Especially if I don't understand them, okay? If they don't make sense to me. But when I, I think about this spiritually, when I think about the things that God has asked us to do, when we look at these covenants and these contracts and these commands and we think about what God has asked us to do, it should take on a whole different meaning. At least it does to me because it's not just about obeying the rules. It's not even just about doing right. It's not about doing good. It's more about being thankful and being gracious to a God who rescued us. <laughs> being gracious and thankful to a God who rescued me. It's about the God who met me when I was seven years old on my knees at, at an altar in a little bitty Free Will Baptist church. And he rescued me from my slavery. He restored me. Like the song we sang earlier, he took my feet and he set them on solid ground. He did that for me. He did that for you. He gives us a hope. He gives us a future. And, and you know what God does? God takes rebels. God takes us rebels and he breaks rebels. And he remakes rebels and he, give, he makes them rebels with a cause, Right? Some of you are nodding and, and, and amening because uh, that's what many of you are now. You're rebels uh, with a cause. You know it, and I know it, and that's why we all love each other because we're just rebels with a cause now. But we remember what God did in our lives when we did not deserve it. <laughs> we didn't deserve it, but yet he rescued us. He restored us. He redeemed us, and our only reasonable response to stay in the sandbox, 
right? Our only reasonable response is to be obedient to him and go, God, you know what? I want to follow your commands. I want to follow your loves, not because I have to earn your love, but because I have your love, (laughs) because you've already loved me. You've already rescued me. You've already delivered me. And so I get to. It's not that I have to. It's because I get to. Because this is what pleases you. This is what brings you joy. Right? And what brings you joy will ultimately bring me joy in my life. So remember your rescuer. Remember who God is. Remember what God has done for you. Grace first, and then the principles. Grace first, then commands. Grace first, then the law. And then the last thing this morning that I want to touch on is this. We must reject the imitations. We must reject the imitations. Be careful of cheap imitations. And, and have you noticed that it's only the good things that get imitated? Have you noticed that it's only the bad, uh, the, the valuable things that get imitated? Right? Have you noticed that anyone has never tried to counterfeit or reproduce cabbage? It's, it's only the good things. That people imitate. I mean, what, 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 what are all these imitations that we have back there in the kitchen today? They are all trying to imitate the good thing, sugar, right? All these, these imitations, Oakley sunglasses. Hunter and Mel got back from their honeymoon. He's sporting a brand new pair of Oakley sunglasses. I'm like, dude, take vacations that long and buy Oakley sunglasses? We paying you too much. $15, dad. I'm like, oh, they're not Oakley sunglasses. <laughs> but you can buy them, can't you? You can buy copies of Oakley's, copies of Ray-Bans. You can get imitation Michael Korg purses, coach purses. You can buy imitations dirt cheap in Chinatown in New York City, right? Just ask Lynette. I, I, wait a minute. Don't ask Lynette. She don't know anything about that. Uh, <laughs> But only valuable things get imitated. There's no counterfeit pennies. Right? And so when it comes to God, the most valuable, the most valuable being in the universe, there's bound to be some imitations. There's some knockoffs. There are some counterfeits. And that's what was taking place here in the Old Testament. The Israelites were being tempted over and over and over again by false gods and idols. And here's what God says to them on down in verse 8 there of chapter 5. He says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am what? 
I am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Folks, don't miss this. He's jealous God. He's jealous. But isn't that wrong? I mean, can, can God be jealous? We're not supposed to be jealous, right? We're not supposed to be jealous of other people or what other people have. But listen, God's got every right to be jealous because God is the creator of everything. And it's all his to be jealous about. You and I aren't supposed to be jealous of other people or what they have because we don't own them. Right? We didn't create them. But God has every right to be jealous because it's all his. And don't miss this. He loves you passionately. People who love passionately will have jealousy, right? God loves you passionately, and he's a jealous God of who gets our affection and our attention and our priorities. It makes him jealous when he's not receiving our affection. And some of you have found this out. Because God's a jealous God, if you begin to neglect him or you begin to walk away from him or you begin to ignore you, he'll break you and remake you. The, the Bible talks about the discipline of God's love in our lives. And because he loves you, he will discipline you in your life. And none of us want that. None of us volunteer for that. None of us sign up for that. But any parent that loves their kids, right, we know that when our kids are doing something that's going to destroy them or something that's going to hurt them or cause them problems in the future, what do we do? We discipline them, right? It's not because we uh, enjoy it. It's because we love them. We may enjoy it occasionally. But it's not really something we want to do, is it? We don't want to discipline our children. It's not something that we desire to do, but we do it because it's a necessity, right? We do it because we love them. And so we read this, that God's a jealous God, and he doesn't want us to bow down to any other idols. And you may be like, well, you know, I really don't have any idols like that today. And while we may not have a golden calf, we may not have images carved on, uh, in wood or on poles, there are many, many idols and imitators that are put before God, right? And probably, I would say, the most worshipped idol today in the United States of America is money. And look, whether you have money or not has nothing to do with whether money is your idol or not. How you can know if money is your idol if it's something that you think about a lot. It's something you worry about a lot. It's when everything in your life is about making more money and everything revolves around the checkbook, the bank account, and your finances. And one of the things that offends you the most in this life is to think that someone has ripped you off. The thing that offends us the most is to think that somebody got a little bit of our precious money that shouldn't have got it because they didn't earn it or they didn't deserve it. So we have to be careful. 
right? Our country in many ways today has made money our God. And that's why we like to talk about generosity a, a, a lot around here. It's because we have to acknowledge, we have to know, and we have to understand that money will not have the seat of our hearts. Money will not sit on the throne of our hearts. And that's what generosity is all about. It's basically acknowledging that money is not our God. Money is not the most important thing in our life. But that God will be our supreme leader. God will be the one who sits on the throne of our hearts and and we can't put money first, but God must be first. And, and, and uh, some of you can go, money's not my problem. I got none, right? Amen. Keep preaching. That's great preaching, Steve. You seem to work up a sweat doing that. Keep on. Hammer on. <laughs> but there are so many other imitations. There are so many other things that have become our idols and our gods. And we don't want to think about it. We don't really even want to talk about it. But there are things that have entered into our lives that have taken the number one seat. They've taken over the throne that was intended for God to sit on and to be worshipped. And it could be a, a list of, of many different things. For you, it may be love. And we read the Bible and say love, love's a good thing, right? I mean, the Bible speaks to it. But when a love or, or romance or passion has overtaken us, or overcome us to the point to where we're no longer in, as, in love with God as we are a person, then we've got an issue. God should be first in our love, in our affection, in our passion. We can never put anyone above our Savior. If we do, that's our idol. That's our little G God. For some of us, it's simply our to-do list. It's achievements. We've got to get so much done in a certain amount of time. So maybe that we can be recognized or it's all about accomplishments. Maybe, maybe for some it's their job, and their job comes before uh, everything else in their life. It takes priority, then that's an idol, that's, that's a God. Maybe for some it's drugs, alcohol, pride. All of these things can be idols. And, and don't miss this, if any of these things are the priority in your life, you're going to find yourself continually frustrated. If you find yourselves continually frustrated, continually stressed out, then you might need to sit back and look and go, what is it that I've made the priority in my life? Because all of these imitation gods, all of these cheap imitations, none of them will bring you what only God's love can bring you. And so you will constantly be frustrated. None of these things can give you what God's love can give you and bring you in your life. None of those other things will ever be enough. You can never have enough. You can never do enough. There'll never be enough. Never be enough. And if there's anything in your life that gets more of your time, more of your attention, more of your energy than God, then it's just a cheap 
imitation of the one true God who actually rescued you. Your 401k will never rescue you. Your bank account will never rescue you. That person that you're infatuated with will never rescue you. Your stuff will never rescue you. It is only a cheap imitation of the one who did. (laughs) And his relationship, his love for us, his grace that we sang about earlier is so much bigger than the rules. (laughs) So much bigger than the rules, but it's his rules that guide us in our hearts and and in our lives. And he gives us these principles to, to, to say this, listen, life can be easy or it can be hard. You can have all the fun that you ever wanted to have in the sandbox or you can get out And there's no telling what will happen outside of that. Life can be easy or it can be difficult. You can stay within my boundaries and do it my way or you can do it your way. And oh, by the way, your way is a whole lot harder way. Our way is a whole lot harder way. So reject the imitations. Put God first in your life. Make him the number one thing in your heart, in your life, in your family. And you know what? You don't have to earn it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to uh, achieve it, right? God's grace and his goodness is already available. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to check all the boxes, it was available through to us through the cross and an empty tomb. And because of that, because of that, because of his love and his mercy and his grace, because he's a rescuer, because he has, he has given us freedom from captivity, right? He wants us to live within his boundaries and according to his principles. And honestly, folks, it's our only reasonable response once we understand he rescued me it's our only reasonable response when we understand he did for us what nothing no one else could have ever done he's our rescuer and so we have to be careful of second hand cheap imitations Let me pray for us. God, we are so thankful and grateful today for this awesome reminder of your grace. It's actually overwhelming once we think about what you did for us that we did not deserve. But yet, you've blessed us. You've rescued us. You've restored us. You want to renew us, transform us. But I also understand that you've done that for many that are here today, but I also understand that there are probably some people in this room today who've not accepted that. They've not accepted your grace. They've not accepted your salvation. They've not accepted this new life 
of freedom that you offer. So God, I just pray for those that are here today that have been living a frustrated life. I just pray today that maybe they would find someone to talk to. Maybe they would just find a quiet place to get along with you and acknowledge that their way's been a hard way and they want to do it your way. So God, I pray today that you would rescue some people from themselves. Rescue some people from their sin today. And for those of us who have experienced that, God, we're overwhelmed by that kind of love. We're overwhelmed by that kind of mercy in our lives. But God, it's also easy because we live in a world of so many imitations of good. So many imitations of love. So many imitations of who you are and what you are that we can get easily sidetracked sometimes. And the flashiest thing can catch our eye. God, thank you for reminding us today that we've got to keep our eye on you. We, uh, we can't be distracted. We have to be careful. And if we find ourselves in situations to where we don't feel fulfilled, we don't feel renewed or rejuvenated in our spiritual lives, then God, that, that's back on us. That perhaps means we've gotten outside the boundaries because within the boundaries is nothing but goodness. And that's the sweet spot that we all want to be in. So help us stay there. If some of us have wandered from that, thank you for showing us the way back today. And we just, again, want to tell you how much we love you. And we thank you for this awesome and incredible love that we've been reminded of today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.